You look good, Doctor. Oh, wait, oh, see, I know all my friends. This is the, this Women's History Month, and um, I knew all my male friends' names, but now I keep like I, it's like I was about to say Doctor Ola Gandoye, right? So like, what's your? <laughs> I'm, uh, huh? Okay, still okay. I'm gonna get in trouble, but I'm still Doctor Ola Gandoye. On my, um, on any of my, um, my degrees or certificates. That's right. They're still that. That they're still there. Um, all that as that's all I've been doing. So that's you, that's still that's and and you know you know you're a proud Nigerian sister. So Doctor O is just not enough because both you both of your names begin with the O. <laughs> Pronounce that name. Pronounce that name. Dad and yeah, dad. baby. Family sacrifices, so that's why it's that. Absolutely, I'm in total agreement. I'm in total agreement with that. Um, yes. And it's not hard. No, it's not. Um, appropriate. It's their five syllables. <laughs> yes, right. Put down for people, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. This is Dr. Damaris Alogondoye. How, how was that? That was perfect. That was perfect. Uh, uh, we're the phenomenal STEMists here, and we're here to uh, discuss um, her experience uh, as an OBGYN. I went to Oakwood with uh, Damaris. Yes, we And... Um, she got her bachelor's. Am I right in biology? It was bio, right? Biology. And then she minored in chemistry. chemistry, just like me, just like me. But we went into different routes. She went to medical school at Meharry. And she's going to tell us a little bit about her experience. So before we go into details about what you do now, when did you fall in love with your discipline? Okay. So that's a, that could be too. I fell in love with medicine probably early, maybe at the age of five, five years old. So, okay. Um, both of my nurses, and in the nursing field, they'll come home, they'll tell me about their day. They both worked um, at Kings Bar Psychiatric Center. It's a, a state mental institution in Brooklyn. And they would come home, they'd have all these great stories. Mm -hmm. So excited. And that was part of it. And then also, um, my pediatrician, Dr. Daphne Mailer, okay. on Ocean Avenue. So any Brooklyn people. Brooklyn! Queens! <laughs> so, um, so Dr. Mailer, she was also, she looked like me, a pediatrician mm. who was, you know, um, African-American female. And that also, I was really excited as a little girl going there. You know, not to get shots, but just going there, seeing her. Right. <laughs> into my teens and saying, wow, this is something that's pretty amazing. Maybe I can do something like this one day. So my early interest is pediatrics. I see. And then as I really, it, it, it evolved. Um, first pediatrics, just because of that relationship with the pediatrician. Mm -hmm. I like children as a child. Um, I, I really vibe with younger you know, with the with the cradle rollers and the and the kindergarten at church, I would I would mainly uh, gravitate to the younger children, and so I thought pediatrics was it. As I, yeah, as I got into college, um, 
and I started being interested in sports. I'm a big sports fan. And then I thought, man, orthopedic surgery, the, the team physicians, how do, I, how do I get into the action of sports? Maybe I can be working with the with the with a football team or a basketball team, and then I realized that was orthopedic. So I said, okay, maybe I'll do that. But once I got into medical school and I did the rotation for pediatrics, and I realized that to take care of children that are sick, sick children. That's the key. Sick children. Children, fun, happy kids that are playful with you, that's one thing. But when you have to actually look inside their ears or mm. listen to their heart and do things to them when they're not feeling good. Yeah. They don't cooperate. Their parents hardly want to help them cooperate. So that was something I, I didn't enjoy. Um, also, we live in an age where, um, especially with parents, parents are advocating for their children. A lot of times they just want antibiotics. They just want a quick pill to figure out my child's coughing, give me a pill. My mm -hmm. child's sneezing, I need a pill. They need something for this cold. And it's like, well, it's a virus. We're just going to not treat you with antibiotics right now. And that's something that's in this microwave society, in this um, I want it my way, have it your way, Burger King kind of mentality. A lot of people are just, a, a, you know, they, they want to be treated right away. And mm -hmm. Unfortunately, with viruses and pediatric illnesses, sometimes you have to tell people, you know, it, give it about 48 more hours, 72 more hours, you know, have, you know, give them some tea or give them some fluids. It just, you know, those old school things, a lot of people don't want to. Yeah, it's, I, they're like, I came to a doctor. I came to a doctor for some medication. I, I could have went to myself or grandma for some tea. <laughs> but it's the truth, though, because if you, you don't want to give that child antibiotic resistance. And you try to explain that to parents, and they don't understand. Um, and they have to go to work. They probably say, I can't stay home with them anymore. You know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you're getting a lot of fans. You're getting a lot of fans already, Damaris. Is Tashoy from Brooklyn? Tashoy What's your, what's your maiden name, Tashoy? Anyway, her, her married name is Tashoy Robinson. No, Tashoy, that's my homegirl. Okay, she was like, hey. <laughs> and Jada, Jada, she's like, hey. <laughs> um, and, so, and then also with pediatrics, when children are sick, you know, I, when the children have cancer, pediatric cancer and certain things like that, it takes a special person. A lot of times, it's not an illness that they brought upon themselves. And adults... We overeat, mm -hmm. we smoking, we're doing things that we know, drinking too much alcohol and doing things that, that are harming our bodies. Now we have high blood pressure. Now right. we have high, now we have COPD. Um, so, you know, but with children, you know, this was, you know, so your heart breaks for them. Right. And it just takes someone who has that, that gift. And that, I realized that wasn't my gift. Okay. So fast forward. Um, when I get on the OBGYN rotation in med school, it's just amazing. You know, they're women, they're my age, they're going through certain health challenges that maybe I'm also going through at, at that time, too. Um, and then just pregnancy. Pregnancy is a time in a woman's life that, you know, she's usually happy. You know, usually go to the doctor and it's always maybe bad news. I just got diagnosed with this or that, diabetes. But when you're pregnant... You're happy. Right. Happy. Yeah. The delivery room was happy. Everyone's happy. So I just like happy times. And I, I enjoy that, you know, bringing life into the world. It's just so, so, so fun. Yeah. So exciting. 
So you fell in love with it when you did your rotation in medical school. Yeah. Yeah. So you went through Oakwood, you went through college, um, just doing well in science, um, but you had no idea that you were going to be an OBGYN physician. Yeah. Or, he just kept me on the path of medicine, and then when I got to, you know, when I got to the rotations, it was, it, it, you know, also I had a mentor, you know, her name was Dr. Sweet, and just the way she interacted with the patients, when, when we got together on rounds, it was like a, an event, you know, all the students, you know, we were, we made sure we knew everything about the patient, and she really, she really demanded a lot out of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, that my first time seeing a, 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 a black female in command like that. Yeah. Also, color in command and, and really, um, you know, just the way she was with her patients when they would she would put them under anesthesia. She would hold their hand as they were, you know, as they were going to sleep. And when 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 we're about to operate on a patient and they're intubating the patient and they're they're putting the patient under anesthesia, she held their hand because she always said, "I'm the only face that they know." This patient, they're coming for surgery. They don't know all these nurses. They right. Recognize, but they know me from the office. So I need to be with them as they're, you know, going off to sleep to be reassuring, to comfort this patient mm. and to put them at ease. So when I saw that type of behavior and, and, and you know, I just, it's like, this is where I need to be. This is where you need to be. Awesome. So you had like role modeling. You Okay, that's great. What tools did you uh, use to discipline yourself? Uh, primarily in college or medical school? Okay, man, that's, yeah, that, that's a good question. You know, mainly in medicine, one of the things that was very, very helpful um, was just keeping in mind the, the idea of delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you know that there, you see a lot of people, they're enjoying their lives, they're going on cruises. They're um, they're out working, making money. Uh, they've graduated from college. They're now on their jobs, doing their thing. But I think just just keeping in mind that that it right now, if my mom would say it may be long, but not forever. You know, you you know you're in the grind, and you just know that you know one day it's gonna all pay off. So I was never really a person that aspired to have you know, the best things or expensive cars or clothes and things like that. I just really knew that um, what it took was perseverance. More yes. You know, yes. You know, the race is not to the swift. It's to the Endures. I'm telling you, it's all about endurance with us. It is. I get a lot of people, especially young people, they'll be like, man, you're a doctor. And then you start counting. Man, that's... Four, four years. Four years. Four years. Like, oh, man, that's just... And I'm like, well, okay, that may, you may take 16 years to do this, but if not, you'll be doing something else that you may not be totally happy about. You're still going to, the years are still going to pass. That's right. Doing something that is fulfilling, that you enjoy and rewarding in a way, and and not just do something just to make the time pass, you know, just to, just for doing it safe. So, yeah, that was, you know, keeping in mind my goals and just keeping, um, to, to lady gratification, knowing that, 
you know, I'll get there when I get there. Perseverance. And we were in the Sabbath school lesson was talking about instant gratification. This world is so caught up in instant gratification. But if you want to do well in STEM, you know, it's just the reality. It's going to take a little bit of time, but it's going to go like that. And and that's our mantra. The time is going to pass whether you get a PhD or not, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you discipline yourself by just keeping your mindset saying, hey, just, pers just, just persevere. Just keep persevering. We're gonna make it. Okay. The thing is, very important to stick around like-minded people. So mm. it's not a diss or a nod to other people, but one of the things that you realize on this journey is that you know everyone can't come with you. You know, and it's like like-minded people have to gravitate towards like-minded people. So unfortunately, some friends had to change. Some family members you have to have less communication and contact with because you know you don't want anything to derail you detract you from what you have in mind that's right so it's, you know it's easy to get distracted there's social media right now there wasn't the back then i don't know if there was the back then was, <laughs> i don't know but you know social media is, is crazy right now facebook and instagram and all these things but uh so those can be distracted but i mean Back then we had hotmail, I think. Yeah, we had we had hot we I still have my hotmail account, just to let you know. We had like black planet hotmail and, and we never really dealt with it. We it was brand new. I don't know I, I, I don't know how these kids are dealing with get off of Facebook guys. Like even when we had it took what two years before we even got a TV at Oakwood? Like there was a point in time where we didn't even have television in the dorm. It was such a place where there were no distractions. Exactly. And so getting to a place, that's what um David Josie was saying. He was like he had to go in the corner and just keep away from distractions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you do. Yeah. Mm. So I had a study group, my homeboy Maurice Richardson, he's, he was in a study group. My friend Chris Ford, I don't know if you know Chris, Chris Ford's an Ogodite. Uh, he was in the study group. Chris Ford, yeah, how's, oh, yeah, I remember him, tall. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Maurice, um, but I had, there was a group of us, it was only guys actually, I was the only girl, but, <laughs> but, yeah, for whatever reason. But, um, but you know, if you have your study group, I had this guy, a friend named Don Rowe. Um, so accountability partners, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You know, you find yourself with good people that are accountability partners. My, my homeboy Don Rowe, he lived in my same um, apartment complex. And so anytime I had car issues or anytime I had problems, even if I had, uh, you know, got a bad grade on a test, he was, uh, you know, he got really good grades. He was known for that. And, you know, I, I knew when I needed to seek help, too. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, when you say you get a low grade in a rotation or what have you, you know when you have to say, okay, I need help from, with, you know, I know where to go. Um, we had a student center that allows you that, that with tutoring. Yeah. And, but just the gentleman I was talking about, he was always very, you know, you surround yourself with, with, with um, encouraging people and people that can help you out when you're in a jam. And you do the same for them when you, when you have the opportunity. But accountability partners. Those, okay. those, Accountability partners. You're the second daughter, doctor I've interviewed, and you're the and both of you have said that seek out help. It's funny, like you when you think medical students and people who get into medical school, you think you gotta already be brilliant, which which you are. But I'm saying, as, as if you just know everything, and and if you if you seek out help, there's something wrong with you. And no, no, no. Obviously, that's not the case. It's such it's so much information. Um, that if you need help, seek out help. I like that. 
Yeah, there was a, definitely an adjustment period mm-hmm. from Oakwood College to Mary Mountain College. The, the, just the volume, the sheer volume. The volume, yeah. And it was night and day as far as you had to be in the gross anatomy lab, your, your, freshman year, your first year of medical school. You did that in the evening. You learned all the about the cranial nerves and the circular willis and all these different things about the brain and, and just the whole entire body. But you had to learn these things. And then at night, you after school was out, you didn't have to go to the gross anatomy lab and dissect the human body. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so there was really not, so you had to prioritize your time, get rid of all the distractions, hang around like-minded people, people. and that's what you did. You just had to, you know. I love it. Yes, yes. So what were your challenges? What would you say your challenges were in school? I would say um, standardized tests. Some standardized tests early on was tough. The basic sciences part of medical school, to be very transparent, basic sciences you take in your first and second years. You take your histo- histology, your pathophysiology, your biochemistry, your pharmacology, all of the, and then in the second, the third and fourth years, you take, now you take the fun stuff that I enjoy, which is the, the rotations, you know, your family medicine and your internal medicine, your pediatrics, you know, your one-on-one with the patient, the clinical stuff. But the first two years was definitely more challenging for me, very challenging for me. Um, and so that's just knowing that at the end of it all, you were getting to patients, that was, the, you know, that was something to look forward to, but it was difficult for me that those basic science years. so the basic science years and having to take tests on those basic science years which had a sheer volume that was like quadruple what we covered when we were in college pretty like, much that's a perfect way of saying that you're you're a straw and you're trying to drink from a, it's just flowing at you. Just to let that's that's what med that's what med school is, guys. Just to let you know, I'm just giving you a warning. Okay, so tell me what you do now, and um, like tell me your process after Meharry, and what you do now, and what your challenges are. Okay, good. Um, the first year after after I finished medical school, um, I entered the match. I got into um OBGYN residency, and it was also at the same school at Meharry Medical College, okay. National General Hospital. So I stayed where I was. I didn't have to move uh, or anything like that. Match day just happened. So once a year in March, the fourth year medical students that are well, the, that are graduating match, they find out where they're going. And it's like a, a lottery system, sort of, so to speak. And there's a lot of suspense. So once you match, you find out where you're going. And so I found out I was going to be staying right where I was in Nashville. I was excited. Um, at that time, um, my grandmother lived with me. I had a lot of family members close by, so that was helpful. Okay. So that that's also something that helped me is family. I can't, I mean, I can't stress that. A close family. So residency. I went to residency. And residency now is when you are working, uh, you know, we call it, they have 80-hour work weeks. That's actually on the law that's saying you can't work more than 80 hours. So we used to imagine. War. <laughs> Slavery. <laughs> So, so that's what we did in, in residency. We worked a lot and learned how to do procedures, learned how to deliver babies and do hysterectomies and do tubal ligations and um, ovarian cysts and all kinds of different things that happen to a woman's body. Um, and so that's what I did in residency. And then once I 
finished residency, that was four years. Residencies can be anywhere from three to more. Um, if you talk about plastic surgery or, or neurosurgery, those are going to be your more competitive, longer, you know, six, seven year, you know, situations. Mine was four years. Um, after that, you can also specialize if you want. You can do a fellowship. Um, and I, I decided to do a one-year HIV fellowship. Interesting. And in that, um, I, I went to right across in the same town, Vanderbilt University. And I did extra training for a year in HIV populations, um, you know, in men and women I took care of, in everyone, children, men, women. I also went to the, the St. Jude Children's Hospital in Memphis, and I also, and I did pediatric HIV care. Wow. So, yeah, it was a good, it was just an interest that I had. I've, I've always, at some time in my life, want to do some global health. So that's the reason why okay. I did it. Okay, okay. Yeah. But then family life situations, got married, had kids, didn't, haven't really, I've done a, a couple, a mission trip, but I haven't really been able to put the HIV, you know, to use, but I, I still have it, so mm -hmm, I'm excited mm -hmm. to use it in the future. And so right now what I do is um, I work in community health, okay? I work for FQHC, it's called the Federally Qualified Health Center, and these are your um, community health centers. Um, and the purpose of them is to provide um, health care to people that are uninsured or underinsured. Um, and, and so that's what I do on a daily basis. Wow. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. You are, I'm so proud of you. So you're helping, you're a physician who is helping the underserved, basically. Okay. It's a, always, um, you know, part dream has been to, when I was growing up in New York City, I always said, I wanted to go back to New York and work, work at a community health center. It okay. turns out I stayed and I'm, that's what I'm doing. Okay. Um, I'm enjoying it. I get to take care of, you know, a lot of immigrants, okay? Mm -hmm. um, our, this national population, we have a lot of um, immigrants from Latin America, Mexico and Central America. We also have a lot of immigrants, Kurdish, Iraqi. Iranian, um, Egypt, um, a lot of people from the Middle East as well. I mean, here that, that we take we take care of. Uh, we take a lot of take care of also the East African population is very high here, so we have a lot of Ethiopians and Eritreans and Sudanese. You're doing your global health initiative right there in Nashville. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I enjoy it. I mean, I really do. Um, but what are your challenges? What are your challenges? Right now, okay. Um, not being able to provide patients with what they need. That's the mm. hardest thing. The most challenging thing. Hey, Elijah. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> Listen, I told you this before. Phenomenal STEM is I when. I deal with mothers. This, you're not the first, Damaris. <laughs> this happened before. <laughs> this is what happens. Women in science, your children are always around you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can go. All right, I'll be right down. Okay? <laughs> they say, can women have it all? It's like, you can, ha you can have it all, but I think not at the same time. Not at the same time. <laughs> 
So I was just saying, what was I saying in terms of the challenge? Not not being able to give what they need, patients what they need. At school, you do residency, you learn how to treat certain medication, uh, diagnoses, conditions. Mm -hmm. And when you prescribe a medicine, now you have to consider, well, what's on the Walmart or the drug $4 pharmacy list? They will, you know, these certain com um, commercial wow. pharmacies have um, specific prescriptions that cost a certain amount. So now you have to kind of tailor your approach even though it may not be the best treatment, mm -hmm. um, even though it may not be the most, you know, efficacious, now you have to change to something else because the patient can't afford it. Mm -hmm. You know, so you, so that's that's a big challenge. Yeah, um, affording medication. Getting people what they need. Especially if that's not the medication that they need. It's not even if it's the even if it's the same, you know, um, base or pharmacological action. It's not the, It's not what they exactly need, but they can't afford the thing that they need. So, yeah, that can be frustrating. Absolutely. Yeah. The other frustrating part is with surgeries. A lot of women, especially in GYN, they may need a surgery. Um, it may just be for, they may have a cyst or a fibroid tumor or, you know, something that may not be emergent. You know, you go to the emergency room if your appendix is inflamed and you'll get, even if you have no insurance, they're going to do it because they don't want to let you die, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but with the with something else, like a, a woman's health issue, which is heavy bleeding or pain, um, those aren't seen as acute emergencies. So when a woman goes to the emergency room, They'll just put a little band-aid on it, and then they'll send her home and say, well, follow up with your doctor. Well, if you come to me, and I'm going to say, well, you need this treatment, but you can't afford it because the hospitals, um, you have to have insurance in order to get surgery. Um, so they won't do it in the emergency room where, that's where, where they're required to do it for, for whether, whether they have insurance or not, and they won't right. do it. Ah, that's frustrating. So it's frustrating. So you have to find ways to get around the system or just help them go through financial counseling, do different things. But it's just, you know, you wish you could just help them right away. And sometimes the process can be two or three months down the line of suffering. Well, yeah. 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 So that's a challenge. Yeah, that's a that's a huge challenge. Big. Okay. Big, big. Yeah. big. All right, last question. So what's the favorite part? What's your favorite part of your career? I would have to say the deliveries. Just, you know, when you ask, when you meet a person, um, you know, most people, if you ask them for their top three moments in their life, you know, as a, of a certain age, they'll say it's the birth of their child. Birth of their child. Right up there with the top. So, like I said, it's happiness, it's joy, it's, you know, all this anticipation, all the possibilities of this child and what it, it you know, all your dreams and hopes are in there in this child. So it's just it's just great to be a part of that moment. You know, it's, it's indescribable. Each time it's different. You know, no two- No two childbirths are, are the same. No, not at all. Yeah. And, and also one part I enjoy is to see, especially when the men, the, the dads, you know, tear up. They cry a little bit. They shed a little tear. I'm like, ooh. Oh, that's so touching. Like, ah. Oh. See? Hey guys, you know, I, we were, we, you know, the dentist that was on was like, like she couldn't be a, a G, OBGYN, but this is a great, listen, you're changing my mind on this whole thing. Forget about the pain and the suffering that the women, because they forget it, right? They go through it, but then they say, oh my God, they're happy. Right, right. 
You forget about all that pain. Wow. Thank you, D. Uh, Jada's like, thank God for community center doctors! Exclamation point. They're loving what you're saying. Yeah, that's why we're here. We're here. I, I, yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. I also like it because I get to teach. That's mm. another important thing. I love teaching. And um, I have, I get students to my, that come to the office. I have nurse practitioner students. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm in the hospital, at General Hospital, uh, the community hospital, I get medical students. And then I also have residents, family medicine residents, OBGYN residents. And, you know, we're teaching them how to do different procedures. We're teaching them how to do deliveries. And it's just, I enjoy that part. I'm giving back. Yeah. It's very important. Yeah. So I, back and you know how do we keep this thing going so and that's through you know mentoring giving back and you know teach teaching others coming on Facebook live and telling the world exactly the process it took for you to become this phenomenal physician thank you so much Damaris I call her Damaris her the proper way she says it is just too hard sometimes so I just go back to the old way of saying it <laughs> But I love her so much. She's always been so cool. Um, and I can totally see that how you're a community health doctor now. I mean, this is like you're made for that. You're just so down to earth. And definitely, I think that's what we New Yorkers are. We're very down to earth. No pretense. I love the people. I love the people. I, love the... Uh, I lost you, D. Okay, there you go. You're back. <laughs> Hold on, you're on mute. I can't. Okay, there you are. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, I was just saying there was a phone call coming through. Oh. It's my iPad, so it... Uh, I see. Oh, well. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. She's for the people. She's of the people. She is... I am. I am the phenomenal stemist, and so is she. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, Damaris. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I was always, you know, I'll tell you, Maya was very, very inspirational person. And when I saw that, um, you know, that she was doing these things, first I saw this phenomenal stemist and she was talking about raising our children and right. how we, you know, impact what we're teaching them at different ages, how we can teach science to our children. You know, I was excited when I saw that and I was more intentional about what I'm putting into my children's uh, you know, pervy, what I'm exposing them to. Yeah. I decided I just dropping knowledge. So I'm <laughs> to be on this, and I admire and commend Maya for what she's doing and trying to push science forward, the, the, the culture forward, which is the science culture, which is what we need to be trying to push forward. We appreciate that, Maya. Definitely. Thank you so much. Um, you guys have a good night. I'm going to let you get back to your, your boys. They want to go somewhere. <laughs> Cold ice cream, ice cream. All right, thanks, D. Really appreciate it. Good night. Bye.